Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. Today we have a bit of a shorter episode for you. We get to talk to a content creator who is up and coming. Now, originally, one of the missions of the podcast was to focus on names in the hobby that people might not know yet, while balancing that out with some reviews, talking to industry experts, and of course, more well-known artists. But we wanted to make sure that we were casting a light on people who provided free content out there for everybody in the community to benefit. Today, we have the opportunity to do that with a relatively new content creator. But speaking of reviews, before we get into the interview, the next mini-episode will be dropping next week. It will be a review of Tago Collectibles, Level of Hobby, Baynard Woo's Succubus Kickstarter. I received that in the mail a couple weeks ago, and I've had a chance to play with it and look at the miniature, etc., and so we want to tell you about, you know, what we think and our, our impressions of it. So you won't want to miss that. Also, we could use some feedback. How are Dan and I doing? Are, is the show content good? Is there something that's missing? Or are there things that we could improve better? I know for a fact that I could get better at interviewing. I have a few catchwords that I use quite a bit. And I need to work on that. But anything you'd like to see, any thoughts about the show etc please drop us an email at listening to paint dry at gmail.com or you can hit us up on instagram and facebook at listening to paint dry or on twitter at dry painting so without further ado let's get to the interview we're excited to bring you a content creator that started uh, airing videos on youtube in march of this year all the way from hong kong we have mc the miniature surgeon welcome to the show all right thanks for having me of course, thank you for taking the time to do this. The world's kind of uh, in a crazy place right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I can imagine as a actual doctor that it is kind of crazy on another whole nother level. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the pandemic here in Hong Kong is getting uh, it's getting slightly better, but it's still very much a constant threat to everyone, to be honest. Absolutely, yeah, and it's... Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to read the numbers here in the States. It seems like at some points it's getting better, and then you're like, wait, <laughs> holy moly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of going crazy everywhere. Uh, we thought it was getting better in Hong Kong, but uh, it we just hit another spike. It, the spike just started to come down. Um, I'm lucky as a cardiac surgeon, I'm not getting affected quite as much, but I do have friends working in London. Uh, they actually, one of my friends actually got the got COVID, and um, he, he needed a ventilator for one week. Ooh. That's a I'm 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 glad that they recovered. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had a cousin and her husband that were in the hospital for over a month and oh. uh, for for it in the U and they were in New York City. So, Ooh, yeah, I was New York was hit pretty bad, wasn't it? It was de definitely, and it's uh, it's rebounding and everything. They just reopened some of the businesses, so that's a good thing for sure. Yeah, but, definitely. So uh, tell us about how your hobby journey started. I do believe I remember hearing in one of your videos that uh, you had left the hobby and came back. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did MC start in the wargaming hobby? Well, I actually uh, went to London for high school, so I do apologize if my accent suddenly turns into a British one midway through the interview. Uh, yeah, I studied there for high school, and uh, there was a games workshop just down the road, and uh, being a teenager I was, I picked up a box of uh, tactical squad and started painting them up. But um, I took a long sabbatical since, you know, I was the only one who, who actually played Warhammer back then, and then um, went back into it when I was back in medical school when I took a real interest in surgery, and it feels a bit like uh, 
doing surgery, you know, things are so fine, so small at times. And there's really a big scale where you can kind of um, just use your skill onto, whether you just want to have a speed paint or even paint up some something to competition level. Uh, it really went back in when I broke up with my ex. Uh, I was really upset back then. And I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to need something to focus on. That's kind of when I got back in the hobby. Oh, man. Artist therapy, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, and I got back into the hobby after a 20 year break or 20 plus year break, I have to be honest. And uh, um, I went to my first convention and took a painting class. And then a couple months later, my dad passed. And that's kind of I got stuck in his house. I got stuck in his house for weeks trying to get everything cleaned up and do everything. And I was kind of by myself. So I kind of just turned on Duncan videos and painted, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the same story for me, too. Yeah, Duncan really helped along the way. Uh, it's it's interesting how how uh, the the personalities don't realize what kind of impact they actually have to people. It's kind of, it seems almost kind of silly that, you know, watching a video on how to paint, for me, it was Skatari, was therapeutic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Duncan really helped me, especially when I, um, when I started painting, I, I wasn't really, like, to be honest, I don't really have an artistic sense. Um, but watching his videos, like having it uh, chopped up into bit size, bite size kind of things, helped me get back on my way, really. And uh, yeah, that kind of helped me push on and on and got me to where I am today. That's fantastic. I do love your videos. I've enjoyed uh, kind of the concept around them of the you know, things you didn't know when you first started painting. You know, where did that kind of come from? How did that idea formulate for you? Uh, so actually it comes back, it's kind of funny because I went back into uh, Warhammer because of my ex, but why I became a content creator now, I got to hand it over to my then girlfriend and now fiance. Uh, there I was in my man cave with tons of paint squinting down on a unit of death company. And uh, my then girlfriend came over, picked one up and uh, I was expecting her to just, huh, funny, toys and put it back down. She took one up and looked at it and said, you know, some people should look at this too. I was like, nah, I'm not really good at this. But then she gave me a lot of encouragement and told me, you know, uh, you should maybe make an Instagram. So I started Instagramming a little bit, but I didn't really like it because I was not one for like a displaying arts kind of thing. I was always like kind of um, into teaching people. As a, as a doctor, you kind of uh, need to be also be a, be an educator, whether you're just um, fellow colleagues or even medical students. So that's kind of where I where I took off. Uh, why I became a content creator of sorts. That's excellent, and it's you know it's one thing that's very interesting and unique. I feel about this hobby community is that very rarely do you run it when somebody asks a question or wants to learn something, there's usually a, a quorum of people that come out with suggestions, et cetera, and things along those lines. So people like me appreciate people like you who create that content and answer those questions. So thank you for doing that, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, a, it's really a very humbling experience to, uh, well, starting from when I was a child, never I really never had any artistic sense. I remember I got a nearly failing arts class in elementary school, uh, which is almost impossible, I think. Uh, and when I started off painting my gray eyes, they looked really flat and clumpy, and I just blindly persisted through it and just got my head down. I thought I would get better, but it never really did. So a kind of approach that I took was I thought, hey, you know what? Edge highlighting. I was really bad at it. So what if I thought of it as a surgery? I was like, hmm, 
that's a uh, interesting. So what I'm gonna do if I'm gonna do a surgery, I'm gonna know what why I'm doing it, what I need to get it done, and what I need to watch out for, any like dangerous parts I need to watch out for. And as soon as I got that kicked in, that kind of systematic approach to it, technique by technique, I started getting it down and. And slowly I became from uh, at my local hobby store actually taking lessons. And then I became one of the ones who actually started teaching too. So that's uh, the whole community really helps a lot. So what, with those techniques that you learned and kind of broke down in that process, what was the most challenging of those techniques, do you think? Uh, I think to start with it, definitely uh, uh, highlighting. Because what, what you don't realize a lot of people uh, is when you look at a mini, it's actually scaled down. A lot of things lose focus. The contrast, the colors, they don't translate onto that kind of scale. So knowing that what kind of effect you need to translate to for, into that kind of scale is one of the most challenging concepts to grasp. But once, that con if, once you know the concept, it's about getting the right techniques to have it down. So things like um, having... Uh, good posture and stabilizing hands, things like that. I actually made a video on um, techniques to highlight and what kind of postures to use. It really helps when you, when I think about it, when I'm using what kind of muscles, what kind of uh, large uh, posture-based muscles I can use to help stabilize myself and what kind of positions I can help to stabilize my hand, like using your pinky or your ring finger. Uh, it's really interesting what kind of stability you can get because, uh, believe it or not, my, uh, my, my boss is a cardiac surgeon. He's a fantastic surgeon. He actually has a lot of tremor. But you would realize that when he puts in the most crucial sutures, his hand is dead still. And just just that tells everyone, you just, it's, it's only a matter of technique. It's never really a matter of talent. It's whether you have the heart to break it, break it down into small pieces. And that's the way you can improve and get better. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, that that's always a question. It's something that I always see people talk about is fighting those tremors and stuff along those lines. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's in, I know my hands shake a bit too, but you know, it's that propping, you know, putting yourself in the right position. I think what you had suggested, what you had suggested is, you know, one hand on the miniature and the, the hand you're holding the miniature and then you make contact with your other hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That, that actually, I will say that was something new for me and that, that has helped a lot too. So I, I, I that's a specific thank you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I helped. No, no problem. Is there a technique that you want to learn that you haven't really worked on yet? Uh, wet blending, definitely. Wet blending is something that I can't really get my hands on. I mean, some if I'm if you're talking about wet blending over like a terrain piece, yeah, sure, I, I can probably do that. But say wet blending on a particular panel, now I still haven't got that technique down yet. You know, it's a tricky it's a tricky technique. I, I know for the longest period of time that. I created mud when I tried to wet blend, you know, like I never <laughs> got a, yeah. I never got a gradient. And I, I'll tell you that the, the two people that I took classes from, we have a convention where I live called the Nova open. And I took a blending boot camp from a guy named Matt DiPietro. DiPietro. Oh, okay. God, I say his name wrong all the time. DiPietro. And then a guy named Sam Lenz. Um, oh, Sam Lenz. Yeah. I, I watched this video. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, I think it was on tabletop minion. Yeah, he does a lot of – he has his own Patreon and YouTube channel now too. So he's he, – he, they're both fantastic artists. And one of the things that – one of the tricks that they taught me was leaving a small gap between the colors. And then okay. that's where you kind of – like, you know, you see all the, – the one thing that always pisses me off when I watch videos is that you see artists put the color on the palette. They kind of swirl the brush, and they have this beautiful gradient across the palette. And you're like, wait a second, you know? Yeah, you can never get that. It always right. turns gray. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And But um, 
it's kind of the same concept with that, that leaving that little bit of gap actually helps increase. I, I won't say I'm an expert on wet blending or anything along those lines. I still have a ways to go on that. Right now, I'm stuck on learning proper glazing, but that that actually made my miniatures not look like mud. <laughs> See, I'm going to try that. I never knew you, you should leave a gap between the two colors. I'm going to try that tonight. Right, and it's like, what is it? Um light into like in the gap you put light into the dark wipe off the brush and then go light into the dark and pull back again it's kind of right. yeah it's a it, it's one of those things that it's i can like you said it's easier to do it on much larger pieces but if you're trying to wet blend like a sh space marine shoulder pad it's a bit of yeah. a, a challenge but what is kind of what's the ultimate goal of the channel what what where do you kind of see yourself let's say at video 50 at video 50 um that's kind of a hard question to answer i i just want to be part of the community that helped me through so much in my life uh when i broke up with my XL, it was some really rough time and soon after i started uh properly painting again after uh, uh i got the channel up my father passed away too so uh i got a lot of support from the community in my whether it be on on YouTube and my and my local wargaming um, wargaming club, so uh, I really want to be able to help my community. And actually, after starting the YouTube channel, the community helped me a lot because um, I looked at I look at all of my comments I get on YouTube, and there's stuff like say uh, using white glue before you apply crackle paints. Uh, apparently, that will give you bigger crackles. I was like, oh, I didn't know that, and I tried that out, and it turns out it does give you much much better crackles. And there's another guy who actually happens to be a dentist. And, um, I In one of my highlight videos, I say, hey, you can use your pinky. But he says, hey, actually in dentist school, they teach you to use your ring finger. And I actually tried it out. You know, your ring finger is actually much more stable than your pinky. And it's the whole community that I want to I help be part of and get all these little tips and tricks to help everyone get their hobby to, a, to, to the level that they want to have it to be at. That's fantastic, man. I, pre I appreciate that, definitely. So in, in this process... Have there been, uh, besides, you know, kind of Duncan, have there been other, any other big influences for you as far as your painting goes and your videos go? Uh, I say Scott the Miniac. He's, I've watched his video quite a lot. They're always quite engaging. And he's, he's a little, I took I take some of inspiration from him. Like he always addresses some small topics like uh, speed painting, um, space marine shoulders, shoulders, like how you can improve your speed. That's kind of the stuff that you don't think about everyone wants to do so you know things that like planning your paints ahead and techniques ahead ahead of time and that's kind of what i do as well even if, whether it be in miniature painting or even doing surgery if you want to ha have something smooth you, you better plan ahead you take 10 seconds it'll save you an hour down the road so he's definitely been an influence excellent yeah and he's, he's wildly popular too he's got a lot of a lot of backers and a lot of support out there so also i guess it, it always it, it interests me to hear um about how Things work in reverse. So you've gone out, you've learned a couple of other techniques like, you know, the pinky versus the ring finger, etc. With this uh, creating your channel, has your painting improved? Uh, definitely. Just by these simple tips uh, from my viewers, uh, I've already improved my technique and uh, such as for, for basing and stuff. Just using because I use crackle paints quite a lot and they're, it's quite handy to get quite impressive effects from crackle paints. Just that um, tip from Michael Bennett, uh, my one of my viewers, really helped a lot. And just a lot of times when I'm planning to make videos, just because you're planning to teach someone, 
actually forces you to think about the process once again. So it's a lot like what we do as doctors. We, um, we always have a little quote we say, uh, we see one, do one, and teach one. Because that's how you learn. You, you see a technique, you do a technique, you teach it to someone, so you regurgitate that technique out and think about what's the best process for someone to learn that technique. And through that, you improve it yourself. So definitely all the everything that I've spoken about in my videos, like highlighting, um, basing, all the rest, I've improved myself after actually putting these video out. You know, I'm, I'm curious because you, you like uh, space vampires too. So I have to ask, what got you, <laughs> what got you into the Blood Angels? Well, it's really how um, – it's the duality of having that uh, curse of black rage and the red thirst, but having to stay noble at the same time. They're not, they're not flesh terrors. They're not trying to just kill everything and, uh, and, and wait for the day that the black rage comes to them. They actually actively try to stay as noble as they can to fight off something that's of their innate nature. And th it's that kind of struggle that really gets me. Nice. So, so you kind of, kind of like that that duality of it, that you know, being a a noble beast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to be noble and a beast at the same time. Yeah. Well, so then, how do you feel about theoretically? Because they haven't they haven't addressed this really, not that I've seen, but the Primaris Rubicon resolving the Black Rage. I mean, do you think we'll see Death Guard or Death Company Primaris? Oh, we already have Death Company Intercessors uh, in the last Codex, I think. They don't have dedicated models or shoulder pads yet, but uh, it basically shows that the uh, Belisario is called Definitely Lied. It doesn't solve much. So I, I think we're going to get Death Company Assault Intercessors soon, too. That, that should be really cool to paint as well as to use on the tabletop. Oh, yeah, the size of them. I mean, I don't even want to touch an old Space Marine now because of the size of the new Primaris are just... And, and what they should be, you know, what they should have been, you know, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, that'll save a lot of heartache. I, I must say the new primary is actually a lot easier to paint compared to like old tactical marines. Just just by the virtue of having a bigger panel to work on, you can get a lot more effects going like uh, gradients and and um, and weathering effects even. Right. And they're also broken down more. You don't have like that one piece boot anymore. You have kind of <laughs> the different panels that you can work on 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 shape and they're broken down. It feels like into more geometric shapes as opposed to, yeah, I, I don't the, the legs on some of the older space Marines are kind of like, OK, that doesn't look <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's. I always think that that's not anatomically possible, is it? <laughs> right. Right. Hey, absolutely. And, you know, the one I'm waiting for is I I I've kind of I've moved away from war game well I I have been war gamed in ages but the one the models I'm waiting for I would love to see Primaris Sanguinary Guard. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't even imagine what those would look like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the Sanguinary Guard already looks awesome by themselves. I mean, if it becomes Primaris, I I I can't wait. If it looks something like Mephiston, uh Mephiston's new sculpt yeah. uh with the jump pack then that would be just awesome. But another one that I'm really waiting for Primaris is Grey Knights because uh, Grey Knights was actually my, my first army when mm -hmm. I got back to Warhammer. And I've been waiting years for Primaris Grey Knights to, to roll up, but they never came. So uh, you I'm know, forced to do my own conversions. Blade Guard, man. The, I, the Blade Guard, actually, I was looking at them going, I think I might do them as Grey Knights. Yeah, do me a little, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they do look like they could they could transfer very easily, especially because they had that same type of uh, almost medieval space marine helmet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
in big shields. And so Grey Knights were your first uh, were your first army. Now, have you ever tried to do like a full Grey Knight non-metallic metal? Oh, I tried. Uh, non-metallic metal is one other thing that I only recently got the hang of. It takes a lot more time. I am, I'm reserving it for my HQ units. Like I have a Grandmaster Voldus in uh, non-metallic metal, mm -hmm. uh, but it did take me uh, the better part of the month to get him proper. So uh, maybe one day, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, doing a whole squad or something along those lines would be kind of uh, kind of crazy, right? And yeah. so, in non-metallic metal, it's it's a tricky technique to learn, especially because the like you had talked about earlier, placing the lights and the shadows, are the, the, you you can kind of fudge that in just like painting general power armor. But if you don't put the lights and the shadows in the right place on NM, NMM, it doesn't. You're like, okay, that's gray, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yellow, brown, not gold, etc. <laughs> exactly. So you want to see Grey Knights being made. You kind of answered one of our fun questions that I usually ask, which is, you know, is there, uh, besides the Grey Knights, are there any other models that you would like to see made? It doesn't have to be Games Workshop or anything. I typically use, my example is I would love to see miniatures from the Stephen King Dark Tower series uh, uh, that have never been made. Is there anything like out there, out there that you would like to see made or so you could paint or play with? Simon Games does a pretty good Game of Thrones uh, theme, uh, Game of Thrones board game, and uh, I've actually got the Night's Watch set. The Jon Snow is pretty; it's it's pretty stunning what what they have out there, even though it's all monopose. But uh, the quality is excellent. I can't wait to paint a Ned Stark. And that's nice. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. And, and uh, have you uh, checked out Dark Sword Miniatures? Oh uh, no, no. Uh, Dark Sword actually is the first is the company that partnered with Simon and designed the miniatures for the game. Um, oh. If you check out Dark Sword, they have uh, the license to Game of Thrones, and so they have substantial more character models. I think they do even have a Ned Stark, a metal oh, wow. Ned Stark. I, yeah, I need to check them out. Yeah, they definitely Dark Sword miniatures and great company too. The guy who runs the company gym is super nice and only cares about. Uh, people getting good miniatures in front of them to paint which is really cool yeah and so there you go free plug for dark sword miniatures right <laughs> <laughs> and, and simon right um so is there let me ask you this then and then uh one of the other fun questions we like to ask too is if let's say in this case because you probably mostly use citadel paints i would assume yep yep okay so citadel comes to you and says mc we want to make uh, a miniature surgeon paint color what color would it be and what would you call it wow that is really difficult i'd say i want a technical paint in dried blood i'm gonna call it uh mm, surgeon's regret that sounds good. <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> nice <laughs> see because what a lot of times they uh, i know citadel has blood for the blood god um it just looks a bit for someone who works with a lot of blood uh, I literally just got off my last shift having a, uh, treated a patient with a gunshot, went to the chest. Uh, messy stuff. Blood doesn't wow. generally look like that. Look like that, uh, especially when uh, it's it's on it's on a flat surface. So something that is a bit more oxidized dried blood actually gets a lot more character to um, to the weapons and and general weathering effect. I'm actually gonna plan. I'm probably gonna do another video on how to do proper blood effects from a, like a perspective of a surgeon which should be quite interesting 
uh, something a bit more brown is uh, needed to make something look realistic. Oh, see, I don't, you know, that's where I always ask the question is where, you know, realism and believability to, to align. I'm like, do we really, do we really want somebody's intestines that are pulled out to actually <laughs> look like intestines? You know, we... <laughs> well, we're going to have to ask the death guard players then. Right. Oh, that's very true. That's a fair, that is an absolute fair point. Um, so surgeons regret technical paint, drying blood. It sounds yep. fantastic. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So, before uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, um, prior to of course the craziness of COVID, um, how is the hobby community in Hong Kong specifically? You know, it's interesting to find out um, different areas. And so, like in Hong Kong, I know there are, there are a few other YouTubers that are out there. How is the community there in Hong Kong? It's actually a very small community. I must be honest. Uh, there's like about 30 of us that regularly um, meet up and play and paint. We, there's actually just one single sh uh, games games workshop in Hong Kong. So it's a really tight knit community. We call each other by our first names, and uh, we do each other even favors outside of uh, war gaming. War gaming. So I get a lot of medical consultations while I'm while I'm down there. Uh, it's really tight knit, and we have a lot of. Um, we always we have a WhatsApp group. We just trade pictures of uh, work in progress pictures with each other, and we give really honest comments with for each other. And when I started the YouTube channel, they're actually very supportive, and uh, they're actually the ones who gave me some of the ideas for the first couple of videos, especially for the Aussie Arc Bone Reapers. One of the uh, Basili, he's actually a I think he's Italian mixed with mixed with uh i think his his mom's chinese uh anyway he's he's the store manager there and he's super helpful uh gives uh basically all these tips and helps me review the video so it's it's a great it's a small but great community i gotta say well that's fantastic yeah it's always nice when especially when you can can push each other right you know like get like display get good comments and feedback etc uh that's fantastic um also, you know, it's also it's interesting too that it's you know it's smaller. It's Hong Kong, so you know there is a little bit probably more easier access to each other. Just like uh, in Europe, they hop on a train and go from country to country. Here in the U.S., it's kind of much much different because we're all so spread out. You know. Yeah, you probably need to drive to to go to conventions and games. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of driving, a lot of flying, etc. You know, but this year there wasn't because there hasn't been any. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's kind of failed. Now, um, is there is there a scale modeler community in Hong Kong or is that separate from any of the wargaming stuff? I know here in the U.S., those things are starting to blend together. I don't think there's a scale model community in Hong Kong just yet. Actually, pretty much everyone in the Warhammer community in Hong Kong right now, we just it's basically the only other miniature painting uh, slash wargaming community. So we talk about these these things all the time as well. Uh and it's great because everyone's super uh, blunt, and they, they would say, I would post a picture, and they'd say, hey, actually, um, you could do better by doing using, say, Vallejo paints for, for, for golds or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, so we talk about basically everything that's accessible to us in terms of Warhammer and miniature painting. It's, it, we talk about all, all of it in, in our same community. Oh, excellent, excellent. And now, our, um, I know, like here in here in the U.S., we have a lot of different hobby stores and stuff. And so, it, I, there's a place I call it the mythical land of Fredericksburg near us for some <laughs> odd reason. 
I live right outside Washington D.C. Mike, and for some odd reason, it's you know it's it's only thirty to forty minutes away, but I have no hobby stores besides a single GW. He's got like five, and uh-huh. so I drive down there all the time. And so you get the opportunity to go from store to store to see. Okay, this one carries Scale seventy five. This one Vallejo. Uh, uh, do you have lucky that? You. I was going to ask you. Do you have something? Do you have multiple gaming stores, or is it just a games workshop in Hong Kong? Uh, Games Workshop, there's uh, basically just one remaining store. Um, there are some uh, other small retailers, but they're they have quite a limited uh, quite limited uh, stuff in them. Usually, just Warhammer stuff and maybe some Vallejo paints, but that that's pretty much it. Uh, one uh, one larger, I guess, model company is Tamiya, the Japanese uh, mm-hmm. store, because a lot of because since we're we're also in uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, people generally for model collecting, they collect Gundam and uh, to me, like uh, military reenactment kind of models. Right. So that's a bit, a little bit more popular in uh, in this area. Okay. So you do you have like access? Do do you have a place where you have like access to media paints and stuff like that? Yeah, Tamiya paints are e- very easy to find. There's tons of model shops carrying Tamiya paints, but if you're looking for things like scale model, uh, just uh, games workshop stuff, Vallejo, that's it. It takes a little bit more effort to find it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, not nice. I, that sucks. So <laughs> I wish you had more access to, <laughs> you know, but it's funny here. That's the one thing in all those stores in this area is that their Tamiya collection is spotty at best, <laughs> you know, and you can find the paints, but you can't find the thinner. And then, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, I know what, <laughs> how that feels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause um, for me, if I want to, if I want to order like uh, say a basilisk, then it, it needs to be ordered all the way from, from London and Nottingham for it to come over. Right. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, true. Even Games Workshop is starting to pull their Asian manufacturing. They're starting to build, do more and more in London, in England. Um, yeah, yeah. A, I think that's their whole their whole goal is to be able to do it all in in England, at some point in the future. But um, so is there a model? What is the next model on your desk to paint? Like, what do you what are you getting excited about painting? I am uh, painting up a conversion Judicar from the Indominus box set. I just swapped out the head because I didn't really like the ju- the Judicar from the Indominus has a um, weird bald head with a half covered uh, half lower half the face covered in a mask uh, matching with the COVID situation I suppose but uh, <laughs> I took a Death Company uh, Blood Angels uh, hel- helmet and just replaced it and it looks much better. Oh yeah, that that's one. Uh, it's that's one of those ninety nine percent models. Like it's yeah. a beautiful, it's an incredible model, and then you see the toad head. And you're like, <laughs> oh, exactly. what were they thinking? You know, like what there's they, even with that kind of design, they could have done a lot more with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that, that I mean, guy's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. He's got an early balding issue. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Because it's kind of a mix. It looks young, kind of toady, and it's bald. And you're like, yeah. Oh, you're right. Do I really want to paint this? And like, I'm going to swap the head out. I'm not painting it. Right. Even like a hooded head would have been yeah yeah like know, a like a true executioner right exactly that's what i thought was going to be a, a potential option for for him but not not necessarily not necessarily and so our motto of our show is better braver happier is there anything any uh kind of final tips that you could give our listeners to becoming a better braver happier painter yeah definitely think about more about your it's really easy to get stuck in with uh, peer pressure and just uh, going on Instagram, seeing all these beautiful models out there and feeling really frustrated. But what you don't know about 
uh, other people who post things like these is they probably have spent a lot of time thinking and learning before they can get get it there. Even someone as as colorblind as, as I was can can get to be a half decent painter than anyone can really. It just takes cutting it down into small digestible pieces, small techniques, one step at a time. Know what you want to get done, and you'll get it there eventually. Well, fantastic! Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, your 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 job is legit, and uh, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just so you, you can finally uh, find MC the Miniature Surgeon on YouTube. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, um, and, and get no, hit the bell for notifications so that way you know when he posts a new video. Dan and I would like to thank MC the Miniature Surgeon for joining us today. We appreciate him sharing his hobby journey. It's certainly a kind of a unique perspective of uh, being a miniature painter and an actual surgeon. Uh, so he drops content on a regular basis which is impressive considering the nature of his job. You know, he's either fixing a gunshot wound or putting space Marines together so they can inflict gunshot wounds on other tabletop players. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much again for joining us, MC. Go to his YouTube page, subscribe, like his videos, and also hit the bell for notifications when he drops future content. You can follow us at Instagram and Facebook at Listening to Paint Dry, as well as on Twitter at Dry Painting. You can also drop us an email at listening to paint dry at gmail.com. Please download us, like us, follow us, and hit us with a good review anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. We're on over 150 platforms. And remember, you don't have to be a surgeon to become better, braver, and happier. But it's just pretty cool. <laughs> Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.